In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 27, Paul says, I discipline my body and make it my slave. You know, we often forget, guys, that God has called us to steward the bodies he gave us so that we'll be ready, healthy, and spiritually dangerous to fight the good fight, whether it's working at your job, serving your God, protecting your bride, or being a great dad to your kids. That's why we're so excited to partner with Mountain Tough Fitness Lab. Mountain Tough Fitness Lab is run by Christian men who are passionate about training you to be your best version and to stay dangerous and ready for God. Join me on my journey by going to mountaintough.com. That's M-T-N-T-O-U-G-H and getting your free six-week trial when you type in the code ARENA30. You won't be disappointed. Stay dangerous. Welcome to the Man Card Podcast and our mission to build an army of men in the arena who are becoming the best version of themselves in changing their world. Males are born. Men are made. We're going to separate the men from the boys. A man is as a man does. We want to help you to become the best version of you. Theodore Roosevelt spoke about this rare breed saying the credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood. That's awesome. The man card belongs to those protecting integrity, fighting apathy, pursuing God passionately, leading courageously, and finishing strong. A man is as a man does. Enjoy today's episode. Men in the arena, we We salute salute you. you. Porter, you did that on purpose, you loser. Idiot. <laughs> you really, you, you drug that thing out. I thought it was um, like, we salute you. I watched you're you. Like, you're watching me do it, and you're doing it out of sync on purpose anyway. <laughs> People are going to hate our podcast now because but of you. You do realize that I'm following you on FaceTime, and there's about a 10 millisecond lag. Oh, so, dang it. I forgot about that. <laughs> that that could have played a part in that. Oh, Who knew man, it was 10 milliseconds? I was thinking like 8 It's or like a Godzilla 11. movie. <laughs> nah, 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 nah. You will not kill Godzilla. Uh, that was for my baby boomers because the millennials are like what is godzilla yeah is that an aussie aussie well any other kung fu movie yeah i'm going to get you i don't know what kung fu is but is that so anyway hey guys welcome to the man card podcast where we edit nothing and act like idiots anyway uh, hey guys we are excited to have you in the arena with us today Uh, we're gonna call we want to call you in to areas you've never traveled. We want to call you out of the things that are hindering you from becoming your best version, call you up to the level of manhood that God has called you. So I'm Jim Ramos, and I'm here with our producer and my fellow American, Peter Culver. There was, that's one for you. you that doing? was original. Fellow American. I don't know. I just, is that an old president? Hey, you know what? We had a Veterans Day parade here in McMinnville this last weekend, and that was awesome. Seeing these old dudes cruising by in these rigs i got a little weepy a little teary-eyed just like what these guys have endured and they're smiling and waving and it's like their outlook on life still and i'm like those are studs cruising by and then we all went to the center of the town in this huge parking lot and we did had this massive flag hanging and we did pledge allegiance and a couple bunch of military dudes spoke and it was just like rah time that's cool so, it was good i actually reached out to get sergeant malarkey from band of brothers yeah who's from astoria oregon uh-huh. and actually found out he passed away oh. in, in salem and so that that was uh, the last of the band of brothers that at least from the show at least so anyway that reminds me this is no neil november right. so i'm right giving on. away the download of the field guide our bathroom book for men for any vets out there so just uh shoot us your email address we'll send that to you as our way of saying thank you uh, for your service and then um excited about life man life is good how are you doing man I'm doing very good today. Honestly. Very good. I'm good doing job, very good. Man. Yeah, I'm excited. Things are I'm learning a ton about myself, so it's good. What are, what's the scariest? So, what's the So here's, Aaron Porter is on our podcast and he would ask you this. What is the darkest thing that you're learning about yourself? Okay, so <laughs> am I right, Porter? <laughs> I I don't know how to phrase it like that, but share, yeah, that's what I would have wanted to know. I would have just yeah. I would have just guessed it and assumed I was right. Okay, go for it. You want to guess? <laughs> oh, don't because it's this the same is, thing you're going to guess for every guy. This is also my man word. Oh, it so, is. Yeah, that's well. Hold on, I, right I get to guess it. the man word. Go okay, ahead. let Aaron guess it today. Go ahead. 
<laughs> no, because I just filtered three things because I don't know who your audience is. Oh, they're men. Uh, okay, so you, what is a man word though? Your man word of the day yeah. is what you're just you're thinking it. Yeah, and it usually has no. to do with our uh, the guy we're interviewing a little bit. It's on my phone right here. You want me to show it to uh, you? No, no, that would be cheating. <laughs> so it ha- it sometimes has to do with the guest, and but you said what's the darkest thing in your soul that relates to the darkest thing you're dealing with. Relates to that word. Uh, we had a convergence. Uh, we had a maybe. convergence of things unrelated just now. Yeah. Uh, so, anyways, well, now I'm totally lost. Just I'm pick gonna, a man word, man. All right. I'm. Man I'm gonna word. have to go with y- unicorn. Okay. That's yeah. right. That's usually when we. Go <laughs> I married Starbucks, a unicorn. I married a Starbucks, unicorn. and I'm like, hey, um, Jimmy here really likes unicorns and rainbows, and they'll draw them on there for him. Sometimes it's pretty amazing. So, anyways, while singing as as, over as an un- the rainbow. As an unrelated thing, I got to say that when I'm asked for any advice or I have to write in someone's card, usually if I have a card, I don't know what to write. So I just copy whatever is written in the card by like Hallmark. <laughs> and and then people, I, I've actually had one woman start crying and say, it's the most beautiful thing anyone's ever written in the card. And I felt like, oh my gosh, later she's going to look and see I just copied the other side of the card. Right. But whenever someone asks for advice or when I'm doing wedding cards, I just always write. Never played leapfrog with a unicorn. That's, that's <laughs> yeah. the only advice I have in life yeah. for anyone. That'll hurt you. Now, so yeah, in true that, confession, manly. I'm also yeah. a photographer, and we're going off off script here, like way off to the trail. But uh, I'll have groomsmen like I don't know what to say for the toast, and I'll tell mm-hmm. them, say I've never seen you happier since you've met her. She has completed you, and it's just so awesome to watch this journey in your life, and and some garbage like that. And then they'll get up there, and they're like. Man, I got to tell you, I've never seen you happier. And I'm like, so just link a bunch of stupid cliches together. Yeah, is exactly. What you're them. And I tell that oh they use gosh. it like from their heart. And it's like, anyways. So my man. So word. the man word is two words. It's pathetic. <laughs> Come on, that's hyphenated. <laughs> really? No. So the uh, word- let me guess. I'm gonna guess the word right. soul. <laughs> Soulless soul. No. 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 The word okay. is humility. Oh wow. Okay, I love the word, but why? Working. Uh-huh. I I'm realizing that. And Can this, I see Aaron, or do you get a single? No, the whole time? Hey, me and Aaron are talking right now. How, <laughs> how are you doing? So I'm d- doing pretty good. Producer, you you're close producer, to the camera. Pro- you got two podcast producers. <laughs> yeah, and getting rid of the guy, the, the host. Okay, I don't know why that guy's talking <laughs> over there. But uh, <laughs> so the other day, I actually had Jim say this to me. Yeah, dude, you do struggle with pride sometimes. Yeah, I'm like, oh, you do. And I so I started thinking about that, and I'm like, okay. Sometimes I I started really praying through that and going. Sometimes I'll see people do something that's really stupid, and because of my humility that I, I'm lacking, I'll, I'll sit there and I'll say comments that are just not okay. And uh, I, I think we need to, as a man, you have, you're humble enough to see when somebody does a failure and not just beat them up over it or talk about it or whatever. So that's um, humility, I think, is very important, not being prideful. And uh, our successes and all those things. That's not why I think you're prideful. Okay. Just well, to let you know. Help me out with that. I, I, you want to go d- deep and dark right now? Okay. On this? Let's do it. I, I think that, that you need affirmation. I do. And so because you need affirmation, you are pitching for affirmation by bragging about stuff. So I try to affirm you so you don't have to pitch for it. But I want you to know that when you're pitching for it, I'm seeing pride and not humility. And yeah. so, and I think that goes back to a lot of things, man. I think that yeah. goes back to, you know, Matt Eldridge Every said, are, we have a wound. Yeah. Uh, or, uh, you know, I know uh, Aaron would speak to this a lot too, that, that he would say in his church, they're all about being authentic with, in their community. And I think a lot of times that when a guy is bragging and when a guy is uh, putting it out there, like he knows it all, that just speaks to his insecurities. Right. And so that has, so nothing, I was close that has to nothing to it. what people are, people doing stupid stuff. It's, it's it's when you or when myself, for example, I have the same issue. I feel like I've really had a huge breakthrough about two months ago with my own pride. Right. But when I stopped criticizing, Aaron would go, oh, wow, Ramos. Wow, this is not the Ramos I know. <laughs> when I stopped being critical, <laughs> when I stopped comparing myself to others or right. competing with numbers or uh, uh, being uh, criticizing or c- being c- condemning, when I can when I can release that and focus on blessing the person in front of me and making their needs ahead of my own needs, then then I allow God 
to affirm me. Right. But when I step out in pride and and do those C's I asked talked about, you know, condemning, critical, comparison, competing, then I remove God from him his ability to bless me because I've blessed myself and I've received my own reward that's been self-imposed. Right. And the problem with the self-made man is that he worships his creator. That's true. So I'm and I think a that. guy, a lot of times, guys might get into that rut, and they don't even. Well, like you would agree, you don't even realize you're doing it. Yeah. So when it's pointed out, you're going, "Oh, yeah, okay, yeah. that's what I'm doing." And yeah. so, thank well, you for clarifying that. You're, for me. you're welcome. It's because I love you, brother. Yeah. Let's do a three second man hug right now. Ready? We got Brent in between us. Okay. You're just hitting the go. table. I know. It's like hitting we're gonna back, hug it you know, out. Three later. second man hug. <laughs> hey, I, guys, I'm really excited today. I've got a friend of mine. From years ago, probably go back to the late mid to late nineties. A guy named Aaron Porter. He's forty one years old. He's a pastor. He's a writer. He's a musician. Uh, he's been pastoring twenty one years, writing twenty three years, and twenty three years of making moolah with money. And uh, authored uh, his most recent nonfiction book called Soul Architecture. Did I say something wrong? I don't know. You said making he, moolah he wrote with money. Down, he wrote down making money with music. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I, was like, I had three M's. They were well, just the wrong words. Well, I just, I didn't, I, I was only filling out your questions, and I've been playing piano since I was five, but that doesn't count as like, I mean, I guess you can be a musician, but on that list on what do I do, I assumed it's like, what do you do vocationally? Oh, I So, yeah, you. that's, that's why I was just trying to be clean with that answer. Okay. We, we thought you good. were making money with money, though, because he said making moolah with money. Yeah. I know. That's, there's a lot of guys on YouTube that are pitching that, right? They Bro. show you their Ferrari and yeah. go from there. I make a lot of mistakes. I'm speaking sometimes. <laughs> Uh, we had a banquet a couple weeks ago for a fundraiser, <laughs> and we gave our auctioneer a one night stand, a one night stay for him and his wife. <laughs> and I told him that we gave him a one night stand. And so uh, I attended. The crowd attend, loved it. Oh, it, it okay, it, wait, wait, wait. I'll tell you how bad I am if it's in another language. I was doing, I was doing a wedding uh, for two very conservative legalistic group. Both sides the bride and the groom but one side was super legalistic serbian nazarenes oh so just you know let that soak in for a moment pastor for 20 years baby i know so this is the serbian version of that Uh uh-huh and so i go to the the dinner the rehearsal dinner and i said to one of the bridesmaids hey tomorrow i want to welcome everybody uh in serbian so how do you say like i welcome you in the name of christ and so she gives it to me it was Dobrodošli svima u imu Isuse. The Serbians can see if I still remember that correctly after all those years. So I said, okay, I'm going to go try it out. So I go to the head table where there's the uncle who's the patriarch. Now these guys have big beards. They are really strict, really strict Nazarenes, but they drink vodka like it's water. So that was like this one little hole in their Nazareniness. Yeah. Uh, so I, I go up to the table and I, I said, Dobro došli svima u imu isuse. Which, doesn't that just sound manly? That the, sounds Serbian. so awesome. I know. I want to learn it. Uh, so there's this pause at the table and then everybody looks at the uncle and then they all start laughing and texting, I found out, to Canadian Serbians, which evidently is a lot. I have no idea what's happening. They don't even talk to me and I just turn around and walk back to my table. And I said, what, what just happened? What did I say? And the bridesmaid was like, I'm not going to tell you. I'm not going to tell you. <laughs> now, now you got to see, describe when I, when I gave the greeting, I went like this. Dobro došli svima. My hands oh, are no, out here like Oh, no, this is the size of your member. So <laughs> after about, <laughs> after about no, I don't know, an hour and a half, someone came up and said, all right, I'll tell you. Like, you switched this word and you said, I welcome you between my tits oh except, i was close ex- except a much more vulgar word for tits which oh. i don't even know what that is oh. in serbia yeah there's and a I, that's I, there's a more vulgar word I, I know and, and i go to i go to anger first right i don't get ashamed about it i'm like pissed off like what kind of language is there one minor switch between i welcome you in the name of christ and that like that is your fault that is a serbian this issue. is why you're in america now okay yeah no that's well you know what that's oh man well you know what awesome uh, speaking of i'm gonna do this uh we're gonna move into a round with you uh i don't think we need to do this with you because we're already pretty loosened up but we're gonna move into what we call our rapid fire round I'm going to ask you five wor- six words, and I want yeah. you to tell me the first thing that comes to your mind when I ask you this word. And these are all words oh, I picked uh, just for okay. you. 
I picked these words ba- for you based on our relationship or based on things you had written back to us. And the first word is anger. Okay. Uh, I Justice is the first word that comes. Justice. Okay, good, 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 good. And you can explain this stuff, too. Second word, and this comes from just knowing you, authentic. Oh, see, it's, I just came up with a synonym. I thought real, but that's that's not authentic. Uh, goal. The goal. Oh, the goal. That's good, good, good. And you don't have to get, you don't have to explain these one words with one word. You oh, can, really? Can, I can no, give no, like can a whole. A oh, okay. Jeez, yeah. that's way easier. Yeah, this so, game was so, annoyingly yeah. hard. And no, okay. no, 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 no. So go back to anger. Talk to us about anger. What when do you think of oh, yeah. you think of anger? Uh, it's it's my home base for how God made me as a man, um, and that serves serves a really good purpose uh, when justice is needed or someone is needed to face something hard or a fight that that thrills my heart and soul to go where some people don't want to go. Um, it, it's also can be a dark place so it's it's a lifelong challenge because you know to both find out how to appropriately and gently express what is a far greater force in my chest like i feel it burning yeah but i have to give it gently um and that's been a lifelong you know i can look back to the handful of times where i let the anger fully out and i can't think of a single time that it yielded good fruit so at this point in my life, I just have to know it's always wrong, um, especially in the culture I live in, which is much more sensitive. If I lived any other time in history up to 200 years ago, uh, all of that would have a place in a village or in, a, in those cultures. Like, hey, go sack that village and steal their stuff. We're hungry. Okay. You know, it, there was always a place for that. But in my culture, that place has been truncated significantly. That's so. That, which, oh man! Which means I just have to be far wiser and not whine about the fact that it's not it's not simple. Yeah, I'm I'm resonating right now with you, man, because I think you and I probably connect on that level. You've always communicated so, for, for our listeners. Aaron and I go back to the mid '90s. I think I've already shared this. We were youth pastors together, and so we would meet regularly together. And weren't you the catalyst for a massive incident during a concert at a camp? <laughs> wasn't no, that you you weren't the guy the in the band no it was it was tom mcintee's little little junior high dudes that were opening for the real band but then it got shut down with that oh, insane yeah. incident the, the guys driving those kids in the limo like rock stars w- uh, weren't you the worship band though at that weren't you the band yeah, yeah, the music yeah. Guy? i was i was oh, the music guy. okay that's right so we go back years and years and i think we have about a 10 year you're 41 i'm 51 and so uh Aaron is very good about communicating clarity, with clarity, and really, um, you you maintain a level of calmness that's that I really respect. So when you talk about this anger being at the you know really close to the surface in your life, I'm really intrigued by that because I'm a man of passion, mm-hmm. and I think for me I've had to temper that a lot because our society does not do passion well. How how closely related in your opinion, Aaron, are passion and anger? Oh hugely. In fact, when I I went to a men's initiation called New Adam, and the name I received was Passion, Mm. even though for Mm. a lot of the weekend, I was pretty stoic because it was such a crazy, intense thing. Yeah. So when things get intense, uh, I love it. Um, If if everything's going wrong, I become the best version of myself often. Not always, but often, because crisis brings out this like calm, like, here we go. Um. But there's a ton of passion in that, and it can be really misunderstood. So you got on the good side of anger is passion and justice. On the bad side is vengeance and rage. And I never thought of myself as being a vengeful person, and it took me a lot of years of thinking about it. I am big time into revenge. I just confuse revenge and justice, where if you did something wrong, I want you to know you did that thing wrong. I'm not going to punish you punitively. But I want you to know this is what you did wrong. You feel bad about it. I want to dictate the terms of what you feel. It needs to be at the appropriate level of feeling bad. Oh, that's just revenge cloaked in justice. So I found out, yeah, I'm a much more uh, vengeful person. I just am good at hiding it. Well, I'm a little bit, uh, man, I don't know what the word's troubled. 
I'm I'm a little bit. I, I just would hate to see this passion in you be neutralized or or be latent within you because you're afraid to express your passions to a world that is soft and can't handle a man with passion. Man, I would. How do you handle that? How do you yeah. deal with that? I, I think there are again. It's it's right times and right ways. I can't help it when I'm when I'm speaking. I don't care if there's just one person in my office yeah. when I'm talking about the gospel. I'm gonna get, I'm gonna get all up in that. I can't help it. Um, but there are other times where uh, I was I was on the board of directors of a a secular group in our community for about ten years, which put me in the middle of a lot of very sensitive groups. Um, well, I'll just say I was I was on the board of directors uh, for the AIDS Support Network in San Luis. Wonderful organization. Yes, yes. And it was right during the time of the Prop Eight stuff, where gay marriage was, you know, canceled. Uh-huh. <laughs> and so I, I was in the middle of an awful lot of conversations with a lot of angry and hurt people that certainly weren't from the church perspective. Mm-hmm. And they needed as much of my passion as the church did, but it needed to be a different kind of passion. Uh-huh. So again, I don't feel like it's the suppression of that passion, but the wisdom to know what, if this crosses out of me being loving towards the person I'm being passionate towards, and I don't even care if I'm in full confrontation. I think when Jesus was confronting Pharisees, Every confrontation had within it a door inviting the Pharisees to stop being idiots and come over to his side. Yeah. So if confrontation is just to break you down, there's no love in that, and I am automatically out of what the gift of that anger is or the gift of that passion is. Wow. So, I mean, that's just the simple—that's uh, not hard to find out <laughs> when I cross that line. Oh, yeah. I just want you to pay. Okay, well, then well, you're wrong, man. It's interesting because— we talked about humility as a word for today, and you, you talked about Jesus. And with the proud, Jesus administered the law. Mm. But with yeah. the humble, he administered grace. And so I think yeah. that's you're talking about that love versus vengeance, right? Right. And so, man, that's so good, man. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna ask a third word here, and okay. the, the word is Samson. Samson. What I think of with Samson is. Uh, uh, it's just so sad. I think we forget when we read his account or when we read our comic book Bibles, it it seems like his ministry was just a few years, but he was a judge of Israel for decades and decades. Hmm. Like, it's unbelievable how long he was the official judge of Israel, and yet he had no connection to God's people. We only ever see him sneaking off to other places. Uh-huh. But I also think... maybe the biggest thing I thought was my first reaction, but I remember being in high school and I had this uh, reformed Episcopal pastor who invested uh, time and energy into me. And I came to him one day and said, I'm really upset about the story of Samson. He is in enemy territory, sleeping with a prostitute. He leaves and God immediately, it says, fills him with the spirit so he can rip the gates off a town and carry it like 20 some miles away which is just funny, right, that he carried it that far, put it up on a hill, so they had to carry it back. But I was offended that God would fill him with his spirit to do a mighty act after he's just been sleeping with a whore. And this guy looks at me and says, yeah, amazing what he does with you too. And he just walked away. Like, that was all he said. Well, you know, one of the things (laughs) I love to say is God in the Bible, God used an ass. He can use you and me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's so King I, James I, version. King James version. Yeah, I I always wanted a punk rock band called Balaam's Ass, but I knew that <laughs> the only people listening to the band would have NIV Bibles and not know it was a verse, and the people that would have that Bible yeah. would listen to punk rock music. So I yeah, I'd let it's it go. a no win, baby. <laughs> so yeah, I I think he's got kind of the the great picture that there is a Samson in all of us that wants to mm. sneak away to enemy territory where we want to go to that anonymous place. And get our own needs met and self-soothe, and that God continues to chase us there and even empowers us with his spirit to break out of the cities they thought they locked us wow. in. Wow. So you said men, for them to go to their anonymous place. Yep. Uh, are men, and do you think men are not made for anonymity, or are they? Oh, he- no, I, no. No, I agree. I'm asking the question yeah, I know the answer to. No, I, Talk to me about anonymity. Well, to... 
I mean, we can go all the way back to the beginning and the fact that God <laughs> is can't be anonymous because he is his own community of honesty with himself. And then mm. that he placed us in the garden in community. And the one thing he says is it wasn't good that man was alone. So we've got that. Uh, isolation wasn't helpful for him. And throughout Scripture, we just see, uh, I mean, Nate talks about this, Nate Larkin, in his book, uh, Samson and the Pirate Monks, where he looks at Samson and David, both of whom had the wheels come off of their life at about age 40. And the story of Samson is highlighted by his isolation. He's just Mm. always by himself. He's never with the community of God's people. And he's not a man of prayer. The only prayer he prays is at the end of his life, and that's praying for vengeance for his <laughs> eyes. Uh, you know, it's just so shallow and sad. He has no friends. Even when he gets married, his wife just marries the next guy over when he yep. bails for a few days. Yep. So then you look at David, who is equally as pathetic. And I, I want to throw out there that I think if I knew David in real life, he and I would not be friends. He's like this emo musician that had some stellar moments but he is just so emotional, and he would have driven me crazy. Jonathan, on the other hand, we would have been buddies. Oh, that's funny. Uh, but David would have driven me crazy. But he, you know, he's he's engaging in the same kind of secret activity. But what we know is he's surrounded by his friends, where they're listed as mighty men. He's mm-hmm. out there fighting with them side by side. Uh, he's a man of prayer. We've got them listed in the Psalms. All these things which are so key for him to remain within God's purpose for his life and within the experience of grace, whereas Samson just, you know, picture years of him by himself grinding wheat blind in a Philistine city. So those comparisons kind of show how necessary community Mm -hmm. is. Well, and even with David and the things you just spoke about him, Yet he, the Bible says, when the kings went off to war in the spring, right. David walked the roof and was taking a nap and sunning, and that's where he invested his life, his moment in voyeurism and Bathsheba. Yeah. And so in that, that moment, he that chose... That became Anna, a fantasy. Yeah. yeah. He, that becomes he chose, a fantasy yeah. that ate away his soul, that led him all the way down the path to adultery and murder. Yeah, he, be, so, he chose isolation and what you would say is anonymity. But here's a question for you, Aaron. We're focused on men in the arena, these guys uh-huh. living in the stress bubble. Yep, yep. We strongly encourage these men to not remain anonymous, but to jump into the arena and to be yep. known and to have God put them on display uh, to let the world feel the weight of who they are. But there are some out there that would say, well, what you're calling men to then, when you call them out of anonymity, you're calling them into pride. Being known is prideful. No, that's um, what some oh, would say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so my my short answer to them is, that's stupid. Uh <laughs> <laughs> the, the the bigger answer would be our our fear the fact is most people aren't in the arena and most people are not known and there's a reason for that uh a it's more prideful to hide myself and build a facade that makes you think i'm something i'm not that's oh, pride that's so good so forget the being known as prideful and most people don't do it. I think it's safe to say most people because of our fear of the reaction that we'll get if people really know the real me. Mm. So to be known is one of the most courageous things you can ever do. And almost everybody that I've met that has said, okay, I, I did it. I courageously told my real story to another man was amazed that the reaction they got was so welcoming, was so filled with grace, was so filled with gratitude from the other person saying, I thought I was the only one. I mean, think about guys that look at porn. Guys that look at porn really feel this is a shameful act and I'm the only one engaged in it. Yes. Like I am, I'm figuring out how to get free porn, but I'm still funding a multi-billion dollar industry. I don't know how that math works out, but I'm sure it's true. (laughs) So here's the, so you're involved with Nate Larkin and the Samson Society, but specifically you are the producer of the Pirate Monk podcast. Well, I, I think I'm more the co-host and right now serving as the producer. But. Okay, so <laughs> yeah. so that's a so that's a great podcast and I've actually been on that podcast several years ago. What what is the goal of that podcast in relation to men? Wow, no one's asked that. I just started doing the podcast. So I like hanging out with my buddies each week. I didn't think people were listening. Uh, no, I, th- I think the goal is we're trying, we'll sometimes do mini meetings where we're trying to model authenticity. 
We're trying to be honest about our own lives. We're trying to uh, forget that there's a permanent record that exists now <laughs> of those moments. Yeah. But I think it's really about just modeling. It's it's okay. It's not even scary to talk about these things. It's only scary the first time, and yeah. you realize, oh, what we we're just we're guys. We all struggle with very similar things. If we were women, I could. I think they're a bit more complex in uh-huh. in, in their issues. You could say there are certain issues they all deal with. But I think guys are simpler in the. Yep, we all struggle in these basic directions. So it's pretty easy, and yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. and I think we also have to as men who want other men to be honest towards us, have to practice uh, not flinching. So if our buddy that we've known for 20 years comes up and says, you know what, I I deal with same-sex attraction. What's my face going to look like? Because he's convinced I'm going to be freaked out because he's gay and he's been hiding it from all his bros because of little jokes that are made. What does my face look like? Because he is about to base his entire uh, relational status between me and him on my face right mm, then. Mm-hmm. So I just invite guys to like think of like the craziest things your buddies could tell you. Uh, they've been having an affair for the last year, uh, whatever, and like look at yourself in the mirror and practice making a face. Because if you don't practice it, you're not going to make it. You need to know what your face looks like. You know, it's funny that you say that. Uh, a verse came to my mind. It's Proverbs twenty-seven seventeen. Uh, you know this verse. It says, as iron sharpens iron, so one man or one person, depending on your translation, sharpens another. The funny part about that verse, though, is the word another, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. In the King James Version, it says, so one man sharpens the countenance of his friend. So that word in Hebrew is the Hebrew word pene. It means face. So yeah. it's about sharpening someone's face. And so when you say that we need to not flinch, we need to realize that our face really matters in sharpening, and that sharpening could be saying, hey, bro, I sure appreciate that you shared that 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 sin that you're dealing with or that you shared that flaw in your character or you shared that issue in your marriage, and I'm, I'm going to—not I'm not only am I not going to flinch, but I'm going to help you and partner with you and walk alongside of you. I think men need that more than ever before. Yeah. Gosh, and on the funny. on the on the flip side of that, uh, for your listeners, if you feel like you need to be more honest, and you're about to say something shocking, give people a little bit of a break that you're about to shock them, and know <laughs> that they might flinch a little bit, but that doesn't mean they don't love you. It means you just you know surprise the hell out of them. So give them give them a little margin there. Well, you know it's funny. We just replaced our electric stove with a gas stove because our electric stove died. Uh, and you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to come back in just a second, Aaron. Give me a break here. We're going to go to a word from our sponsor. The Man Card Podcast is a 501c3 nonprofit organization. We aren't in this to make money, guys, but we are passionate about making a difference. The war is epic. Every battle matters, and every man in the arena matters. Join our fight to change the world with every man who gets in the arena, picks up his sword, and starts to fight. Do this by joining our Men in the Arena closed Facebook forum with men from literally around the world. If this podcast has helped you get out of the bleachers and into the arena, then go to our website under gear. Pick up the field guide, my bathroom book for men with 365 daily readings about what a man is and does using famous quotes and epic stories. Guys, you're going to love this book. Pick it up today. This year will be our first ever Man Card Men's Weekend with the Men in the Arena. If you're interested in hosting a Man Card Weekend, in your city, contact us for available dates. Also, guys, thank you again for jumping into the arena and championing the greatest battle of our time, the fight to change your world one man at a time. All right, so anyway, so we just installed this gas oven to get back to our story, and two of the burners, we got it through Craigslist, you know, so we traveled an hour and a half, bought this used uh, gas stove from some unknown stranger, driving home, and two of the burners aren't working very good. Something's wrong with the burners. So what I did is I prepped my wife. I called her. I said, okay, the good news is it's installed. The bad news is <laughs> we've got a little issue we got to work on. So I prepped her. Yeah. beforehand. So if you're getting ready to drop a bomb on a, a brother, man, please let us know, man. It really would help us so that we don't flinch. It's, you know, it's like uh, I had my wife shoot our 44 Magnum pistol one time and I forgot to tell her the kick and almost broke her face off. And so, Cause <laughs> oh, I forgot no. to tell her that it kicks really hard. And so, uh, man, oh. that's, that's so good. So, so what are you finding as you work with men? 
What what are, what do men need when you on your podcast on these retreats and events you go to? What do men need? Oh, what do what do men need from? Well, I would uh, I immediately go to two places with that. What do they need from each other, and what do they need from their relationship with God? Mm-hmm. Um, I think what we all need is a cleaner gospel understanding, so that I understand my identity more clearly. That when that when that starts to come, what? Uh, okay, reality is incredibly subjective. Yeah. Yes. Uh, reality is based on how I perceive objective things. So the, the data of my life, what's happening today, is objective. But I see it differently, which is why I can line up uh, five men who were abused as children, and they're all going to be different. Yes. One of them might have become an abuser. One of them might have become a protector. One of the, you know, they're, It's going to be different because yes. of how they perceive that pain, that yes. wound. So... Reality is based on my perception of objective data. That's weird, and it's on purpose. It's on purpose because it is, and God made it so. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't have to be because animals don't do this. Yes, uh, even when they do it a little, it's it barely scratches the surface. They they deal on instinct. I need water. I need food. I need safety. I need mating. So we have a bigger primary pack. needs. Primary needs. So yes, we are unique in this, and I think it serves it. It is the gospel purpose, that I'm not to be conformed to the patterns of thinking, the way the world sees things, but be transformed as my mind, as my perception is renewed, then I know what stokes God out. I want to throw the word will of God out of the Bible entirely because it confuses people. The word means pleasure, delight, desire, will. But when we say the will, we think it's a specific thing, not just, oh, this is what makes God, like, happy. Yeah. Uh, So anyways... The transformation of my mind is what happens in the gospel when I see more cleanly who I am through the person and work of Jesus as a now perfectly acceptable adopted child of a dad who just loves me like way more than I love my sons, and I love my sons a lot. So that's what guys need individually, and then together— because that's in place, I don't have to be afraid now. Yeah, these are my these are the ways that my flesh is leading me away from that intimacy with my dad. And I want to tell you about it. I need to be honest. I need you to reciprocate in this relationship and for us to just to be authentic so that we can find strength, not in our simple uh not just simply our strength as men, but our strength as children of God. Mm, that's good. Well, so a lot of our guys, Aaron, that are listening to this podcast are commuting back and forth from a job. Uh, many of these guys uh, probably would say they're, quote, Christians, but many don't go to church, mm-hmm. uh, don't think about church, think about God sometimes. What what would you, how would you make the gospel, you, you use the word gospel, how would you make that come alive with those men so that these guys could encounter this this God that you're talking about. And maybe they believe in him with their head, but yeah. their heart maybe is not there yet. What would you say to these guys? There's a... We all imagine God in some way as a, as a father figure, mm-hmm. even if we don't think of him as father. Yes. So uh, there's a thing that I just... I call it our Abba theology. Everybody has an, a daddy theology. So I have a sheet that I have people list to forget God for a second, just a perfect dad. And everyone can imagine a perfect dad. And people who had horrible fathers actually do better at this than people with good fathers. Mm. Because people with good fathers automatically kind of make it their dad, and he wasn't good enough. Yeah. So everybody can do this. And so it'll be questions like, very general, like, does the perfect dad uh, laugh a lot? I'm like, oh, you know, you get different answers. Like he doesn't, he's not, he's not silly laughing all the time, but he's easy to make laugh. He's mm-hmm. delighted in many things. What's his laugh sound like? Does he have a tittering laugh or is it like a deep belly laugh? Everybody can figure out what they believe the perfect dad is like. And this list is so universal. <laughs> it ends up being the same thing. Yeah. We ask questions like, what does the dad do when the child fails? Not sins, but fails. Studied for a test and got a D. Uh, tried to kick the goal in the soccer game, and it went wide. 
and you get answers of what the perfect dad would do there. What about when the kid does sin, willfully chooses to do wrong? How's the perfect dad respond? So we get this whole list, very detailed. And then we say, how much does this represent how you see God reacting to you in all of these situations? And some of the hardest ones for people are, does the perfect dad, I'll ask you this one. This is easy. Perfect dad is sitting at home reading the newspaper. Kid comes in, starts building Legos on the floor. Does the perfect dad continue reading the newspaper, smile over his kid and say, that's cool? Or does the perfect dad get on the carpet and make Legos? He's on the carpet. Yeah, and Legos are stupid. And the perfect dad, when he gets, when he gets art from his child in the second grade, where does that art go? On the refrigerator, on the, in the office, yeah. It yeah. is posted, and yep. it is crap art. There is nothing good about the art. But it's his kid's thing, and so he's delighted. Yes. So now when I start to think about God towards me, I often think, oh, I didn't do enough. He expected this big kingdom Christian-y thing. When it's like, no, man, I made this finger painting for my heavenly father, and he posted it on the wall of heaven. All the angels are like, God, that sucks. And he's like, don't you say that about my kid's art. <laughs> like my best stuff, the best I have to offer is finger paintings. God could do everything better than me, but he chose to let me be a part, and he's delighted in my process. So I don't care if someone goes to church. If you start to just consider throughout your day, in your struggles, in your job when you do a little cool thing, not a big thing, don't get a big promotion. You just you finished an assignment and you felt good about it and you think, how would a perfect dad feel if his son just finished an assignment? Yep. And then to realize, and this Jesus set this up. He said, How many of you being fathers, when your son asks for what bread, would give him a rock? Yeah. Him a, how much more so your father in heaven? So Jesus sets up this comparison of saying, Figure out what the best you could do is and realize that you don't even touch how deeply I feel more than that. Yes. Now, if I start doing that throughout my day, that's called, number one, acknowledging God, and that changes everything about my life, just acknowledging God. I don't have to memorize more verses. I just have to acknowledge that God is, mm -hmm. and he has feelings towards me. Then I'll actually start living a more Christian life than the person who hasn't missed a Sunday in the last 30 years. I agree. Yeah, it's kind of funny. I ask people sometimes, Aaron, what is prayer? Right, because as a youth pastor, right, we love that question, right? And what do people, what do the teenagers say every time? What do they say? What is prayer? Talking well, with God. Right. And I, I totally disagree with that because I, first of all, I think the majority of it is listening to God, but I don't even think that's prayer. I think prayer is touching the small of my wife's back and just being in awe of that, or seeing a sunset. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Or, or whatever it could be. It's when we acknowledge something divine, just that attention put on that thing divine we're we're turning our focus to god and i think that's when we enter in to this realm of uh the unknown uh, or actually the god who wants to be known and i think men a lot of times we're so compartmentalized right that we we think that it's that 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 god is is this humanly defined object we put in a box and we right. base that upon that, and I and I think what you're saying is outstanding, man. I mean, we had uh, John Eldridge on our podcast, and he he said the question every young boy is asking is, "Am I good enough?" And what you're saying is, "Well, I put your crappy, your little gummy lump, or, you know, statue, <laughs> yeah. or I put your horrible drawing on the fridge. It's not about the drawing; it's about you." And I think you're more than enough, right. you know. And and I don't. I'm the only person that doesn't think it's crappy. I think it's brilliant. My kid. <laughs> My kid put a nose on the face this time. He's a genius. Yeah, exactly. Only a dad thinks that, right? Exactly. <laughs> That's so good, man. I, do you think a lot of guys – well, first of all, you started a church. Uh, and a couple of years ago, I went down there, and we hung out, and you showed me the church. And it's – I don't know how to say this. It's just like a weird church. <laughs> it's like the most unique church. It's a church oh. only Aaron Porter could do. It's a church for people that have been wounded by church. Is that a right phrase? Yeah. Well, it was, it was started as a refugee place it's in a triple wide mobile home we have a sign in the back of the church that said you might be a redneck if your church was towed to its current location there's a there's a deer there's a deer head that's falling apart on the back wall oh my <laughs> yours, gosh yours is much nicer i'm gonna steal oh it. you can have it and it's called vintage vintage faith vintage church. No, vintage vintage community vintage and i knew you wouldn't put the word church in there <laughs> I when we when we started the church I said man I'm bad at naming things we had like 20 people 
So you can call it whatever you want if it's not stupid and it doesn't have the word church in it. And they're like, we're in the middle of all these vineyards. Let's call it vintage. I'm like, well, people are going to think you're talking hot rods, but I don't care. It's not a horrible name. So fine. So that's how the church was named. (laughs) Vintage. That's nothing to do with vineyards. You got the vin right. Your kid named that church, didn't they? One of your kids. (laughs) No. That's a great name, son. (laughs) They were adults. Uh, Childish, though, some were. So, yeah, it's... It's well here, and here's the thing: because people come and say, like, "Wow, it's so different. It's it's really unique," and I don't get it. Like, it doesn't feel like we're doing anything different. You come, and there's music, and there's a sermon. But I think the the couple things that are different are one: Dane and I both said we wouldn't be a pastor at a church where we couldn't be a member. Hmm. So. We need to be fully uh, one of them, which means we need to be able to be honest with them. And if they're going to fire me because I'm honest and I struggle with something that scares them, well, then fine. I don't want to go to their church. Yeah. Um, The second thing is that we say regularly, if God was sitting behind us while we're preaching, you know he'd be giggling a lot because there's no way that we're right. We're talking about eternal things and the person of the eternal God. How right could we be on any given Sunday? Yeah, yeah. So he's he would be back there like shaking his head like, that one's not true. But I love this guy. I love that he's swinging at that pitch. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, and we tell him that. And we tell them, hey, you know, five years from now, I hope to be wiser than I am today. So you're really getting the worst version of me today. Yeah. So here we are together. And we trust that the Holy Spirit's going to teach you what you need to know, not Aaron. Yeah. And and then because of that, people have just decided that it's okay to just speak up in the middle of the sermon and ask questions or say they disagree. So that does create a unique uh I I was glad I wasn't there last week and we have two churches now. We have one in San Luis and one in Templeton. Oh, who and you pastor both of them? Yeah, so Dane and I switch oh, each gosh. week. So one of us is at one and so last week we have an older uh, Jamaican fella that sometimes stands up and says stuff and last week he started talking about how there are too many guns in the country, and I was glad I didn't have to navigate or fit that back into my sermon. Because occasionally people will say stuff, and you're like, okay, what do I do with this? Yeah, totally. So that yeah, so, I don't know. So that, That's our church. Well, in your church, you know, we talked earlier in the podcast about being anonymous, and, mm-hmm. and you can. there are a lot of local churches where you live that you can go in and, and for 20 years never be known. But, but I think one of the things I appreciate about you as a, a man and about the church that you've planted is that you are saying you're a refugee, you will be known here. Mm. You if you can, we'll give you a lot of breaks, but the one break we won't give you is anonymity because that's not, that's not a, a truth that God is bringing to the table. And I think it is a tragedy sometimes. I think it's a tragedy all the time that people think they can go to a church and stay anonymous because that church is cool. And the sad thing to me is they, those same people will brag about their church and the farthest they'll ever venture in their gospel presentation is to invite somebody to a service once a year. And I think that's a huge tragedy to the gospel. And that's why guys are driving in cars, going back and forth to work, and they say, hey, I'd rather be in the hills thinking about God than in the church thinking about hunting in the hills. It's a tragedy. Yeah, it is. So, man. Well, hey, you wrote a book. You've written a couple books, but you wrote a book called Soul Architecture. So, uh uh, you know, we're running short on time here, but I want to learn about this word soul why would you put the word soul and why would you link it to architecture in the name of your book that's really intriguing to me <laughs> uh wow uh, i've never been asked in quite that way <laughs> uh the the whole deal to me with the soul architecture idea is you were created a certain way and for a long time i just thought there are two types of humans males and females mm. they're different but both created in god's image but uh, I think that's incomplete because there's so many different kinds of men and so many different kinds of women and that all together surrendered to the gospel, we create one of those mosaic pictures where all the little pictures create Jesus's face. So it's, it's discovering how, how did God make me and how is that beautifully a part of that mosaic, which is the church? Mm -hmm. Yep. So that's the first part of the, book just talks a lot about the gospel, the stuff we're talking about. Yeah, so it's uh, that's what the book's about. It's about trying to understand 
what is the gospel and who am I in that? And where does my flesh be? Uh, here's, here's a pet peeve for me. When, when I hear people talk, they say, oh, I'm such a sinner. I'm such, and they say, I'm dealing with these things, whatever. They attach that I'm word, which is an identity word. Yeah. Now, if I am complete in Christ, if in Christ I am a new creature, then I'm, I can't be those things and still be wholly acceptable before the righteous God. Correct. So who am I? Am I a dichotomy or a trigotomy? Is my spirit and my mind the same thing? You know, all those hundreds of years, and they're silly questions. I can answer them like this. When I die, what will still be me? Yeah. There you go. That's who I am currently, but I have included this vehicle, which is my flesh, which God gave me on purpose. It's not an accident. And this flesh is going to be the vehicle through which I desperately discover God's mm. reconciliatory love. Wow. That's so so it, it is me in that I'll carry it for a few years, but it is not the essential me. So I need to learn the difference between my flesh and know that it's me and me and my dad against that flesh, but I am not that flesh. I am all that Christ is before the Father. That's so good, man. Well, you know, I love your I love your your uh, your word picture of a mosaic. You know, we have guys who will say stuff to me. I had a guy say this just last night. I was taking a spin class, and the guy next to me, I don't know why, I don't even know who he is. He was trying to pick a fight. And he was saying things to me like that he knew, like, well, I'm not a weightlifter. And he was just saying things. He was trying to make me mad for some reason. And and we have guys who will come on our podcast or walk in my office and say, oh, well, I'm not a man. I'm not a hunter. I'm not a, a big guy. I didn't play sports. And I'm like, hold on a second. That's not manhood. You can right. be a musician. You can be a computer geek. You can be a redneck. You can be a, 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 a motorhead. You can, you can be... Uh, your your job does not identify you. Your hobbies do not identify you. Your physical stature does not identify you. You are identified by the God who has adopted you into his household and then by the unique creature that he has made you because you are different than you're loved by the same God, but you're different than anybody else in creation. And so stop trying to put yourself into a jock mode or a computer geek mode or a scholar mode or a, a professional mode and, and accept the person that you've been created to be because that person is more than good enough because that person has his crappy artwork hanging on the fridge of a heavenly father in heaven and the yeah. angels are scratching their head going, that really sucks. But then we bring the, pur- the we bring the purpose of obedience in. If I was crucified oh, yes. with Christ and resurrected in Christ, I now have Jesus DNA. So there's two types of humans: first Adam DNA and Jesus DNA, and that's what God sees. Mm-hmm. And nothing we do changes either of those states. We had to be killed to become a different creature. So we're crucified with Christ, resurrected, and so so I so I love the Prince and the Pauper. Grew up with this story. You got a prince who switches place with a kid and goes out and wants to to live basically like a beggar, but then he gets locked out. Now the fact is he is still a prince the whole time because his DNA says he's yep. a prince. Yep. But he's eating garbage and he's not enjoying all that it is to be a prince. So in my disobedience, I'm choosing to live like like a beggar, like a homeless guy eating trash when the feast is available. So obedience has a purpose, but it is not to make me that prince. Only Jesus could do that. But I, if, when people walk into me and say, no, I'm not all those things because look at my life, I'm like, I don't know what you are yet, but I know you're living like a beggar. So this, this is the result of the choices you're making. Well, I, I love that you're saying that because I think sometimes we can go, especially in today's society, where you had even brought to the attention that in your your anger that sometimes people can't handle the anger that passion mm-hmm. we live in a society where the church has been so filled and inundated with grace that there are men out there right now who go hey god loves me the way i am i don't have to change and what you're saying is well wait hold on a second it's about embracing who you are and who you are as a new creation is your best version it's better than your old version so walk yeah. in the newness of who you are, stop being a pauper when you're a prince, and that is found through obedience. Not because Christianity is a bunch of rules, but because Christianity is about a relationship we have with the Father, and if I really love the Father, now help me if I'm wrong here, Aaron, because you're really good about pushing. Oh, Pete, we just lost him. You there? Are you back? No, no, I 
I got it. Yeah, we, no, I want to. I want to. I want to please the yeah. Father because of my love for the Father. Because First yeah. John four I, nine said and, he first loved me. I want to discover more of that love, and I also just want to experience what is this thing I was brought into. I haven't explored the whole castle yet. I, mm. I want to explore this, and so obedience creates space. I I know we're running out of time. The the brief thing I talk about dating my wife and what comes of it. Like uh-huh. why do you date your wife? You you hope romance comes, right? Yeah. But that's not always what happens. I'd say uh, of four scenarios. One, we get in a big fight because we finally have time to talk about something that's been boiling up for a while. Two, we have a staff meeting about the kids and we just talk about schedules and teachers. Three, we decide shopping at Costco is easier without kids, so let's just go get some stuff done. Or four, romance happens. Mm -hmm. So I got like maybe a 25% chance. Well, obedience is the same way. What it does is create space for a romance with God where he fills me with his love for something else or for me. And I want that romance. But it doesn't always happen because we're not talking about karma. We're talking about obedience. Yeah. So maybe I just get something practical done and it's done well. Yeah. But I'm always hoping for a little romance. Obedience, good stuff. No, that's really good, man. That's that's Well, I just think of my wife and my relationship is it's a 100% chance now, bro, because the relationship is 25 years down the road and it's about serving one another. And so uh, maybe my year first 10 years of marriage, but I'm just thinking. But when it comes to me and God, man, it's yeah, about I, I obey him because I want to please him because he has my yeah. best intentions in his plan. Yeah, I, I want to stoke him out. And the best way is if I know he... He 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 has to be pleased in me because he's pleased with Christ. Yeah. And now I just want to make him smile. I want to do the Stephen thing where Stephen sees the heavens open up and Jesus standing at the right hand of the Father. Standing at the right hand of God. Love it. And why is he standing? He's given a si- he's given us a, a standing O. I think so. He's doing I the standing O. Come on, man. The the God of the universe is invested in our our moments of beautiful obedience. Oh, I man, I want good. that. That's good. We all do. I think, and I think that's at the heart of a man, right? He's asking the question, am I accepted? Do I have what it takes? And God is up there standing up in heaven, screaming for him out of the, the, out of what I I call it, I call it witness stadium. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. So Aaron, you're right, man. We're out of time, bro. And that brings us full circle. We don't need the affirmation of man, only God. So that, good job, Dale. Thank you. Dale, you're so awesome. I'm Stop affirming it. you. I don't need that from you. I would not. I was not even thinking that though. That's good. It does bring us full circle. We don't have to walk in humility, which is a facade, because we want acceptance and affirmation. We can say, "God, you've already affirmed me. Therefore, I can walk in humility. Humility, which will manifest itself in obedience to the Father." That's really good. Yeah, man. that's really good. Well, Aaron, uh, man, I, I don't know when I'll be back Real down stuff. in San Luis Obispo, but I do appreciate you using the word "stoked" because yes. in the Northwest they do not use that word, mm-hmm. and so I'm always getting funny looks <laughs> as an '80s throwback. And so I just uh-huh. say, "Hey, baby, it's vintage, vintage terminology. <laughs> it means it came from a vineyard somewhere." That so. is vintage, oh, man. Hey, thanks for coming <laughs> on your podcast. <laughs> anyway, hey guys, you've been listening to the Man My Podcast. Pleasure. Hey, it's been awesome to have you, man. So. We'll have to connect sometime real soon when I get down there. It's been almost a year and a half since I've been down there. So, anyway, hey guys, uh, you've been listening. Good to hang Card- with you guys. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Hold on, hey men, you've been listening to the All Man right. Card Podcast, helping us transform the lives of men and those they love as easy as one, two, three. Listen to our podcast, share it with your friends, write a positive review. Uh, let us know if there are any topics or men that you'd like us to interview. We'd love to hear from you. So contact us at our Great Hunt for God app or webpage. And also, guys, write a positive review on iTunes or Stitcher. I do not yet. Don't affirm me. Don't affirm me. I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm okay with that. God just hung that one on the fridge. Anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Hey, man, until we meet again, let's get in the arena together. Let's get dirty. Let's grind it out. And be a man. This is Dale Culver, and you've been listening to the Man Card Podcast. Has your man card been challenged today? If you hunger to be the best version of you, then join thousands of men from around the world on our closed Facebook forum called The Men in the Arena. This is the best place to have open discussions around the topic of manhood. Also, make sure you ask about our newest equipping opportunity called the Man Card Weekend with the men in the arena. Let us inspire the men of your organization to become the best version of themselves today. And don't forget to purchase a copy of our popular field guide, A Bathroom Book for Men. 
Jim wrote this book for men who don't read books. It's a daily study of manly words explained with great stories. You will find enough entries to read one a day for an entire year. That's right, 365 daily readings on what a man is and does. Get your own copy at mancardpodcast.com. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Man Card Podcast. This is Dale Culver signing off. Until next time, join our army and become the best version of you. Get in the arena. Let the world feel the full weight of who you are. Grind it out. Be a man. What type of dad are you? Guys, in my 35 years of ministry, I've noticed that guys basically fall into two categories. And in those categories, there are four types of dad or four phases that you pass through as a dad. We just dropped an amazing quiz to help you discover what type of dad you are. Find out what type of father you are and get our custom resources fit to meet the needs and the questions you are asking. Head on over to menarena.org. Join 20,000 men from around the world and find out the type of dad you are.